Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. This episode is brought to you by Accenture Interactive. Greater experiences start with reimagined consumer experiences. Visit AccentureInteractive.com to see how we're combining creativity, strategy, and technology to make businesses healthier and consumers happier. That's AccentureInteractive.com. Hey, everybody, this is David. Um, Before we get started this week, I just want to thank everyone who sent in questions for the bonus episode we're going to be doing. Uh, This is our 100th episode, but I am out of town, unfortunately, while recording this. Uh, So we're going to do a bonus episode uh, in the next week uh, where we take your questions. So if you have not sent in a question for us, uh, I'd love for you to do it. It's podcast at adweek.com. It's podcast at adweek.com. And yeah, your questions about advertising, about careers, We've gotten quite a few questions about that, uh, about how to break into advertising, uh, about media and journalism. Uh, Any questions you might have about Adweek or about podcasting, hey, whatever. It's an open mic. So uh, send us your questions to podcast at adweek.com. We're going to do a whole special bonus episode uh, very soon where we tackle all those and look forward to uh, hearing your questions. Thanks again. You're listening to, yeah, that's probably an ad, the advertising podcast where we take a swing around the worlds of marketing, media, TV, technology, pop culture, because in the end, let's face it, everything is an ad. As mentioned earlier, I'm Doug Zanger, Adweek's senior creative editor based out in Portland, Oregon. David Griner's off this week, finishing up the manuscript for his third novel that uh, is due soon. I'm kidding. Uh, actually, as we record this, wouldn't it be great if he actually did have a third novel? Maybe he does. Yeah, I actually I bought that for a second. I was like, really? Yeah, yeah. No, I, a I, novel? I, I tried. I tried. Well, as we record this, David is in Washington, D.C., celebrating our D.C. brand stars. Definitely worth a read on the site and a listen to last week's episode. A great piece on Five Guys and their marketing. They eschewed it for many years, but they've decided to embrace it. Uh, some very good reads. And also take a look at some of the great brand stars in D.C. And I'm very excited to welcome to the show from the mothership. Are we are we specifically in Hell's Kitchen? Is Are we technically in Hell's Kitchen? Is that... It? Yes, we are. We are deep in Hell's Kitchen. Doug. Is it deep or like the edge of it? 
Uh, no, we'll say deep. Okay. Yeah, I say deep in okay. Hell's Kitchen. Okay, all right, we're, fine. We're deep in the fires of Hell's Kitchen. All right, all right. So from the mothership, Katie Richards. Hello, Katie. Hey. So uh, you're all over Ad Week. Uh, remind us what you mainly cover, because I look at the list, and it's like a, a buffet of awesomeness. I do cover a lot of things. I'm technically a brand marketing reporter focused on all types of fun brands. All right, cool. Uh, and then joining us today also, our senior editor for agencies, Patrick Coffey. Hello, Patrick. Thanks for coming on today. Hi, Doug. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good morning to me. All right. <laughs> okay, we'll start off with a shameless plug about this week's issue, which focuses on the media plan of the year. And it's a topic we'll dive into a little later in our big discussion. But before we get to all of that, uh, we'll dig into some interesting news for the week. And we start with KFC. And this veers into ads worth watching in a little way, but we'll get to that in a bit as well. But uh, I kind of have a feeling you, but when I say KFC, what, what leaps to your mind when I say KFC? Uh, I think about the kernel, and I think about all the different kernels that they have. Okay. Mm -hmm. Patrick, anything to add? Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's it's pretty much the what kernel? they've been doing, right? It's just I mean. the kernel? But, <laughs> but what, okay. And, so, that, what, uh, and running out of chicken. That's and, the other thing. Okay, well, all right, we'll get uh, to yeah. that. All right, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So what else, though? What, what, is, what is KFC and their, their agencies, Wyden and Kennedy, over here in Portland, and then Mother in London? What, what, do you, what are they most famous for? Like in terms of just marketing the brand, say so sure the kernel, but there's other things outside of the ads that they do. Okay. They do a lot of random stunts. Yes. Okay. There you go. Yes. So we have another <laughs> stunt from KFC, which is a shocker. Uh, but let's think about the stunts that they've got uh, so far. So we had following eleven herbs or herbs and spices, which isn't really would we can would we classify that as a stunt? I think so. Yeah, it, it's stunt-ish. It has it has the uh, stench of a stunt, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, if for those who don't know, uh, the brand unfollowed everybody, and then they followed eleven. Uh, a, a, it was seven seven guys named Herb, and how many Spice Girls are there? So wait, I might get the, I might have the there math are wrong. Five. There are five. Yeah, five All right, Spice so girls. six Herbs and five Spice Girls. So it was following eleven Herbs and spices, which somebody caught. Uh, and they actually, uh, the brand actually did a painting of the the guy who, who who caught that, which is equal parts awesome and creepy. Uh, and so we've got that. And then recently we had kitties climbing over a Colonel Sanders cat scratcher, which was live streamed for four hours. And of course, I was assigned this. Um, it was it was mesmerizing. It was very mesmerizing. There was play by play, and and uh, there was a benefit for uh, for animal shelters in Los Angeles. So it was actually quite funny and quite good. And then more recently, we have the brand asking parents to name their baby Harlan for an opportunity to win an eleven thousand dollars scholarship. Uh, would either of you name your child after a brand founder to win money? Or if a I liked the name, yes. And I don't <laughs> like the name Harlan, so no. <laughs> Wasn't that part of the joke, though? I no. guess, yeah. 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 I mean, there there are a lot of classic names coming back for babies, but I'm not sure that Harlan is at the top of the yeah. list. So, no. yeah. I would get the name tattooed on my own forehead, though. Would for you money. do? For money. Depending on what, if, if, if the money were enough. 
Interesting. Like a real tattoo or, or a temporary <laughs> tattoo? Like a henna thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, then there would be some kind of requirement that, that I, you know, stand in Times Square for maximum exposure. Oh, yeah, next to the off-brand Elmo and what other off-brand mascots there are yeah. in, in Times Square. That's a different episode for another time. So those were out of uh, Wyden in Portland. And of course, as mentioned, uh, Mother in London uh, handles the duties in the UK. And Katie, you, you referenced the FCK on a bucket after the brand tried using a new chicken purveyor. Uh, that, uh, that's pretty legendary. Uh, Griner's piece on that is definitely well worth a read because it, it goes behind the scenes, uh, as, uh, you know, into the backstory of how that even happened. And, and the marketer at the time said, you want me to put FCK on a bucket? Uh, it was actually a very good read. So this week, uh, sorry, last week, they, it was mindfulness day. How did you two celebrate mindfulness day? I did not celebrate it unfortunately <laughs> i worked a lot and then fell asleep yeah okay that's mindful katie as, a, Cal- as, a, as a californian oh, I, yes. i'm very disappointed in you that's yeah i didn't i don't even what day was it i don't know yeah uh it was, it was sometime <laughs> last week so answering patrick's question what did i do well patrick what i listened to was the sounds of frying chicken sizzling bacon and simmering gravy so the the uh, the brand in the UK and Ireland decided on Mindfulness Day that they would put together pink noise to help people relax. Uh, let's take a quick listen to some frying chicken and a very soothing gentleman opening the festivities. Ah, and now a soothing sound to calm your mind this Mindfulness Day. As you relax into it, fill your senses. Yes, enjoy the gentle sound of deep frying chicken. That's right. Pretty relaxing, huh? Rain. Chicken. Rain. Chicken. Rain. Chicken. And there's more where that came from. So take another breath and just chill out with the sounds of Kentucky Fried Chicken. KF Chill. Finger licking good vibes. So the thing was called KFC Chill. It was spelled KF Chill. So I guess it would be KF Chill. We'll call it KFC Chill. Uh, definitely stunty, but here's here's what was really weird about it. So I turned the I, I turned it on. So so you could scroll down, and there would be like two minutes of the thing, and then you could actually scroll down, and then there was an hour of each of these sounds: the uh, the frying chicken, sizzling bacon, and simmering gravy. So I turned on the hour of frying chicken, and I accidentally left it running in the background, and about thirty minutes later. I realize, wait a second, I'm like relaxed. I'm kind of sleepy. Why am I so sleepy and why am I so relaxed? It's because of the damn chicken frying in the background. <laughs> the thing actually worked. I, I was shocked. But then again, I, I shouldn't be surprised. So uh, for those of you who need a little bit of relaxation, you could very well uh, listen to a babbling brook. You could listen to an ocean with wind and, and seagulls off in the distance 
or you could listen to frying chicken. And uh, Katie, you'd said that this is, what was it? AMS? ASMR. Okay. So explain that. Explain that to the best of your ability. Okay. Yeah. So I'm not an expert, but it stands for autonomous sensory meridian response. And it's essentially like a tingling feeling that people can get when they hear certain sounds. So like a ton of brands have actually been like putting out ads that are just like an hour long of sounds that are soothing to people like ikea had one where they were like rubbing their hands on a duvet cover and like fluffing a pillow and it's literally an hour of that and like people will watch the entire thing and listen because it it relaxes them and applebee's did something similar um, to kfc they had like ribs on a grill for an hour and i mean they do really (laughs) well i don't i particularly don't get it but I know certain people like Christina Monlos is like really big on ASMR and she says it's really relaxing for her so she's like the brand when whenever a brand does something she's like all up on it okay all right uh so it you know it's another brand stunt we've had this discussion a little bit about brands and stunts it seems like there's more of them now um I mean, what, what do you guys in just in general think about brands and stunts and, and really looking through the lens recently? I mean, it just seems to be such a, a spate of them recently. Uh, Katie, what, I mean, what, what's your view on stunts and brands at the moment? Yeah, I think there's because there's so many now, we're finding some that are just like actually very, very well thought out. And I mean, like this KFC one, I think it's really interesting and it's fun, but I don't know how um, impactful it's going to be in the long run for the brands. Like, it's a cool, a cool, fun stunt. It'll get them some media attention. It'll get them some social media following. But um, I don't know how successful it, it is in, in the long run. But, I mean, yeah, you're right. There's just so many. I feel like brands now find that one of the best ways to connect with people is just to do something totally wacky and out of the ordinary to try and generate some buzz instead of just going for a typical like TV spot. Right. Patrick, what do you think? Well, yeah, I mean, as Katie was saying, the the key phrase here is earned media. Why not mm. run something that can get you some attention and you barely have to pay for it, yeah. especially as uh, budgets are going down everywhere? Right. Uh, that's a perfect professional broadcast segue into the next topic there, Patrick. Very well done. Uh, speaking of budgets, HBO is going big once again. Earlier this year at South by Southwest, HBO and Giant Spoon were the talk of the town with their elaborate Westworld activation. So this was a real-life depiction of the show's fictional town, Sweetwater, or as we say in the Philadelphia area, Sweetwater. Uh, and now... Uh, HBO has a big old music festival for season three of Insecure. Definitely, uh, Patrick, you'd mentioned budgets going down, but this is a big budget thing. Katie, uh, you wrote about this. Tell us a little bit about what this music festival is all about. Yeah, so um, HBO wanted to promote the next season, season three of Insecure, and they... You know, they've done some things in the past where they've had like small block parties where they have maybe one artist come and food trucks and they invite like a couple hundred people to kind of get the show um, some media attention. But for season three, they like really leaned into creating an entire festival. They rented out a soccer stadium in L.A. and they had like nearly 3000 people come. They had like five or six musical acts that all um, have tracks play in the latest uh, season. 
And yeah, I mean, they just, they partnered with a couple of media partners. So they had um, Teen Vogue, Hypebeast. They also worked with Spotify to just really get people tuning in for season three. Uh, now, for those who don't know, because my life is nothing but SpongeBob SquarePants of late, uh, do you, you like the show? Tell, tell us about the show. Yeah, it's a good show. I mean, I've, I'm not caught up. I've watched the first season. We had um, Issa Rae, who's the star and creator of the show, on our, I think it was our Young Influential cover, maybe last year or the year before. And, I mean, she's just, like, a great personality. She's really funny. She is also targeting an audience that I think HBO didn't really necessarily have. Um, mm. It's one of, uh, I think when I was talking to HBO, they were saying it's the highest amount of African uh, African American viewers out of all of their shows. So she's kind of playing to an audience that HBO didn't have before. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's really, really funny too. It, like short 30 minute episodes, totally worth the watch. Oh, cool. Very cool. So do you think these are, I mean, these are not small things. And, and, you know, again, we go back to what uh, what they did at South by this festival. I mean, do you think that this hard work is going to pay off or is there, you know, is, it, there's the argument that, you know, it's, it's a vanity play. It's this, it's that, the other thing. I mean, we, we talked about stunts a little bit earlier. I mean, do, do you think that uh, th- this is definitely going to pay off for HBO? I don't know. I think among the people that already watch the show, it's a great way to, to kind of give them something to look forward to. I don't necessarily know that it'll help them gain new viewers. Um, I know like the se- when season three debuted, it didn't have quite as many initial viewers for the first episode as the season two premiere. So I don't, you know, I don't know how much marketing can really get people to tune in. Um, I think a lot of it just has to do with the content of the show and, you know, if people actually want to watch not just because an ad told them oh this looks interesting you know i think they actually have to be interested to tune in didn't that because the lead-in was game of thrones right yeah and then that and that shifted yeah so game of thrones for season two game of thrones gave them like a huge lift in viewers because people you know finished that and then they stuck around to watch insecure yeah well, I mean, it seems to me that HBO is definitely one of the standard bearers in all of this. Do you think that other networks are going to try to follow suit? And is this something that we'll continue to see networks trying to one-up each other on? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think so to an extent. Um, I think it really has to be the right show, though. It has to be a show that already has a good following um, for it to make sense. Like, I don't think a brand new show could do some crazy Westworld thing and get people there, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it has no, it to be kind sense. of established, yeah. Patrick, anything to add? I've never seen it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's good. You should watch it. Yeah. I do need a new sitcom. There you go. Yeah. We all need a new sitcom. All right, cool. Well, it is always fun to see what HBO is going on. Uh, I, I'm going to be interested to see how they how they top themselves because it just se- it just seems like the bar keeps getting raised uh, even higher and higher and higher. Uh, well, thank you, Katie. Uh, great work on this. Please check it out on the site and in the magazine. And we will move on to an ad worth watching. So we covered KFC a little bit earlier, but we have something from 360i for Mini this week. So the premise behind this is there was a there was a lot of whimsy in this. Let's let's put it that way. So the idea behind this ad, uh, there was actually two ads, and they're 
they're using stop motion. They're using very handcrafted, uh, very handcrafted stuff. And the hook on the ad was that the artist involved, uh, who was stop motion animator Kirsten Lepore and a and a diorama duo. Everyone has their favorite diorama <laughs> duo, uh, Nixon Gerber. So these were two short films, AK. Why do we call them short films? They're ads. It's, they're, they're ads. But we'll go ahead. We'll, we'll upmarket this thing. We'll call, we'll call them short films. Uh, and they created these, uh, these scenes. Uh, one was underwater, uh, like an underwater motif. And another was a camping motif that included some astronauts up on the moon uh, looking down onto Earth. And these are very intricate, very nicely designed, very pretty ads. So let's take a quick listen to them, and then we will chat a little bit more about that. So what I liked about this was, I mean, they really, we talk, there are some of us in, on the team that talk about craft a lot. And this certainly is an example of craft. Uh, I, I'd mentioned the word whimsy. That seems to be the word of the day. I thought it was really whimsical. I thought it was nice. It was, it was a nice bit of escapism that caught my attention because as we know, it's becoming increasingly difficult to get people's attention. Uh, but what I also liked about this was the constraints. So the idea was is that these artists were only able to use the space in the trunk of this mini. And it was the mini countrymen. Uh, it was the cargo space uh, where, they, where they built these, these two little worlds. Um, and, you know, it was fun. I, I think sometimes we, we don't necessarily talk about the fun in advertising anymore. And this, this goes, back to, uh, goes back to the idea of advertising can be fun. Uh, you know, a little gimmicky, but I thought it was an interesting backstory. I thought it was really well done. And I, I think it was uh, something that has some staying power. Uh, Katie, did you get a chance to see it? I did, yeah. What did you think? I think? I think whimsy is the perfect word to use for these. And I, I mean, it's just really, truly incredible to me that they could build something like this with such detail and such a, well, I guess I would think a small space, but I guess they're trying to say it's a, a large space in the mini. But anyway, um, yeah, I just think it's really impressive that someone has the abilities to do something like this. I don't even know where you would start. <laughs> I know, right? Patrick, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I like, well, the animation was was really cool. And um, I, the messaging, it was very simple, but it was it got the message across, which was, hey, you can actually fit a lot of stuff in the back of this small car. Um, and from the agency perspective, I also found it kind of interesting because it was 360i, and they're generally known as kind of a media and social media agency. I know that their executives are very, very tired of talking about the Oreo 
Super Bowl tweet thing. <laughs> um, oh my but, God, I'm having flashbacks. Oh, yes, every, everyone's every very case tired of study talking for about that. Five but they've years. been they brought on a new chief creative officer about a year ago, um, in O'Cluan, and he's been hiring some people, and they are kind of trying to present themselves as more of a, hey, we could do traditional creative work too. And I thought that this was a pretty good example of them doing that. Yeah, it it is interesting because, you know, Martin Sorrell saying uh, we're just going to cut creative agencies out of the process. Sort of. Uh, well, he says that's not what he really said, but I, I think that's what he said. What did he, he really say, Patrick? He, what, did he say, <laughs> what he said, but what, what did he mean? He what said there he are certain industry trends, but uh, I don't know. Sounded like that's what he said to me. Okay. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Uh, but I find it interesting that I, I feel like there is more of an emphasis being placed on on creativity and that that traditional notion of yeah you know it's 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 kind of tired but the whole idea of the big idea uh, I feel like that there could very well be a creative renaissance I think everyone is probably a little exhausted right now but I'm I'm starting to see these little sparks of really interesting creativity and. I don't know. Are you seeing some of that too as well? I mean, to, to your point, you know, there are the, there are the quote, more traditional agencies uh, that do creative. And then you have agencies like 360i that were born out of something different and are coming along. I mean, do, do you, do you, are you starting to, in your mind, see some better creativity recently? Well, um, I mean, on the one hand, on the financial side, you have Goldman Sachs coming out last week and saying, U.S. Creative is the weakest part of WPP, which is the largest advertising company in the world, and kind of implying that their big agencies are are no longer um, quite what they once were. Mm. But then we have everybody talking about Nike, and everyone is kind of wanting to be the next, um, you know, to make the next campaign that drives a news cycle for a week and a half. So. Uh, I think it's um, it's uh, oddly going both ways, and then some people are going to win big, and some people are are going to go away. What I found interesting, I did a little bit of research on what we covered back in August. So whether that was an ad freak or just our our general coverage, and what I found was was pretty interesting. Uh, what 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 struck me was that sixty five percent of the work that we covered, and it was quite a bit came either from independence or in-house and it was mm. more it was more of a lean towards towards indies but the in-house work was coming on strong uh, in your mind what you know indie indie agencies have long said you know we're independent thinkers and this is how we approach things and yada 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 I just did a Seinfeld yada 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 I can't believe I just did that but I did um, but I, but I found, I found that actually pretty interesting and I, I did the exercise because I was just curious. I thought, you know, where, where was the create, where was the creativity coming from? Uh, so knowing that Patrick, I mean, do, do you think that Indies have a bit more of an inside track on that or, well, you know, yeah, I, mean, I, don't know how, I don't know how to, how to really interpret that. It's not surprising at all, really, because the holding company groups have to answer to their parent companies who have to answer to investors and, the big money right now, the big margins are are on the media side. Mm. So it, it would make sense that they're just not, I mean, everyone talks about creativity, everyone talks about the, the value of it and placing emphasis on it, but um, ultimately, 
um, winning a big media account is is a bigger deal. Yeah. Well, I will track it again for September. We will revisit this conversation. Uh, kudos to 360i and to many for a very nice spot. And we will move on to the big discussion this week. Okay, as mentioned earlier in the show, it is the annual media plan of the year. The issue is out for your reading pleasure. And uh, there were 23 media plans that were focused upon this year. Uh, we will get to some of the specifics. Uh, there, there, there's, some, there's some that, let's just say, got a lot of attention. There were some that had bigger impact. And then you go through this list and you, you, know, you see things like, okay, Wingstop. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, you start seeing this really interesting wide list of mentions. So some of the, uh, you know, some of the plans that made it to the end there. So we have the infamous IHOP flipping to IHOB uh, during the first days of that campaign, 1.2 million tweets, over 15,000 earned media stories, generating 26, uh, sorry, 20, I, 28.6 billion impressions. Um, that was that was the one that stood out, and I think that that had a that had a quick burn <laughs> when it first came out. I know most of us wrote something about uh, IHOP and IHOB. Uh, Katie, you wrote a lot about uh, about IHOP and IHOB. Let, let's talk a little bit about that. Your view on the reactions, positive or negative, um, and what the results were. Let's talk specifically about that IHOP IHOB one. Yeah, I think. The initially there was like a split in what, well, at least I thought most people saw it as a negative thing. Like all of the things I was reading on social media were like, this is stupid. Why are they doing this? But that was kind of my skewed group of a lot of like journalists and media people. Um, mm -hmm. But kind of stepping back, it seemed like people were like, oh, this is actually really clever. Um, some people loved it. Some people hated it. I necessarily did not love it, but I think it actually did do some really good things for the brand. To your point, it generated a lot of discussion on social media, um, and it actually did help their burger sales. It quadrupled burger sales, They um, IHOP said, after they switched back. Yeah, from what base, though? Like, how many burgers That's were the they thing. actually selling? Probably not very many. Uh but I don't. They wouldn't say, you know, how many they were selling before. Um, so yeah, I, I I don't know. But it sounds like they were really happy with the results, and it paid off for them. And you know, they have burgers. So if you want a burger, I guess go to IHOP. But they but they reverted back to pancakes. They reverted they back to pancakes. I mean, that, that's that's your that's your bread and butter. That's your yeah. bread and butter. Uh, and then we have uh, Hearts and Science, P&G, uh, let's see, the, the Talk, which, man, I mean, that's, that's some incredible, speaking from the creative side of it, really a, a incredible work and sparking a really critical conversation. Um, you know, this was, this was in a lot of ways really ga game-changing. And what was interesting is it garnered, um, you know, 95% positive feedback and, you know, 1.8 billion earned media impressions. Um, Katie, your your thoughts on the talk? I mean, because there every year there seems to be something out there that that continues to to spark conversation. You know, we we can go back to Fearless Girl, we can go back to the 360i Dunk in the Dark if you'd like, Patrick. Uh, <laughs> but there's always something out there that you know that that commands not just uh, 
attention from a creative perspective, but it commands attention from a societal perspective. And I, you know, I've always, I, I give P&G a lot of credit and I give Mark Pritchard, the CMO, a lot of credit and the agencies involved with, uh, with this. So BBDO and Agami uh, Group, a lot of credit for this. Um, Katie, your thoughts on the talk and how it impacted uh, media this year? Yeah, I think when, you know, when an ad can really touch on um, something that's going on in society that, you know, not a lot of people have the courage to talk about, I think that is something that really helps make something last and stand out. And I think that's really what the talk did. It kind of, it told a story that needed to be told and it really, you know, captured a great amount of attention just because no one was really making the statements that that they made in that ad. Mm-hmm. Um, as for like the the media strategy, I, I'm not super familiar with how they went went to market with it. Um, so I, I can't really speak as much on the media side of it. I mean, it was broadcast. I know. Yeah. I'm trying to think of when it ran. Um, not really sure exactly, honestly. Oh, one, another interesting thing about it was that it didn't. I mean, everyone knows that it's PNG, but it didn't hawk any specific PNG products. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it also won uh, an Emmy, so it's now mm-hmm. one quarter of the way to an EGOT. <laughs> <laughs> yes, good EGOT territory. Yes, uh, what I thought was really and going back going back to Canon, I'd mentioned this in, in a couple of other episodes. I'd mentioned you know Mark Pritchard and saw him on stage in Cannes and. What, what I'm interested in seeing is where it goes from here, because what Mark Pritchard said on stage was that, um, and I'm, I'm just trying to find the quote here. Um, yeah, this is not a time to be unclear on what point of view uh, and what side of history you choose to be on. So I'm going to be interested to see, number one, where the talk can evolve from. But also, what are some of the other issues that that PNG will will get out into the universe as well? Uh, and I, I think that in listening to the conversation that that Mark Pritchard had on stage in Cannes, I, I I believe that there's a real strong commitment there, and they've done a lot of things internally to to turn themselves around to be much more reflective of society in general. So I'll be interested to see, and that's pretty impressive for a a massive, massive brand. Um, were there any others that stood out to you guys uh, before we before we dig into the media plan of the year? Well, you you did mention the Westworld one, which was a kind of along the theme of these huge, um, like you know, interactive activations where mm-hmm. you kind of the the viewer goes deep into the full experience. Did you wait? Did you did either of you go to uh, South by? This year? Yeah, I was there. I didn't. Um, Christina went to the Westworld thing. Oh, you with did the Josh. weird sleepy thing, didn't I did, you? you did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh, you yeah. got to talk about that for a second. That's <laughs> the brief aside. Sorry, David. Brief aside. You have to talk about that. Uh, that was wild. Um, yeah, it was like Beautyrest partnered with this um, composer, Max Richter, who. He basically performs for something like eight hours overnight, and (laughs) he has like a whole setup on the middle of a stage, and there's beds set up all around the stage, Um, and you basically go and you lay down and you sleep, or in my case, you don't really sleep. Um, The, you know, the sounds are supposed to help you fall asleep. It's like ambient noise, basically. 
and there's lights everywhere that kind of adjust to like different times of day. So when they're waking you up, it's like a nice soft light to try and like mimic the sun rising. And it, it was very weird. There were like a hundred strangers on the stage. I could not sleep. It was very weird. <laughs> oh, it's so Austin. So very Austin. Uh, you know, and taking a, taking a scan through uh, those plans that were nominated, uh, you've got the New York Times Free Press. You had, let me see, what did I just swing by? Uh, there was the Tourism Australia, which is still, they better make that movie. <laughs> they better make that movie. I swear to God and baby Jesus. They just, they need to, can we agree that that's something that just needs to be made? I mean, I would see it. Well, I that, would watch that it several times in a theater. Yeah. <laughs> I think that, well, the interesting thing about that was that they sort of went around the the Super Bowl, right? And they got all the attention mm-hmm. by um, paid placements on social media, et cetera, which is right. not exactly new, but they did a, they did a good job of it. Yeah. Yes, they did. All right, so let's move on to the media plan of the year. Uh, Patrick, fill us in on the media plan of the year. Yes, so uh, the big winner, and and it won in several categories, including uh, Best in Show, was from Media Hub, a division of Mullen Lowe, trademark. And um, <laughs> it was for their client Netflix to promote the series Altered Carbon, which is uh, one of kind of a, you know, a string of, you would call them like dystopian sci-fi uh, shows. And the, um, the concept is a, is a pretty cool one. It's basically that uh, 300 or so years into the future, people can download the entirety of their life experiences in digital form and sort of insert it into new bodies and that they can like uh, shop around for these new bodies and that therefore, you know, whenever their bodies run out, they pick a new one and it's kind of uh, extending life indefinitely. Mm. So they wanted to come up with a really unique way to uh, promote this obviously, and this based on that concept, and they had um, some sort of uh, studio that created replicas of these bodies um, from the show. So what they ended up doing was they placed the, the bodies um, at uh, bus stops throughout the West Hollywood area. And in the, the shelters, like where you'll, you'll have the, the, uh, the vertical, it's usually just a straight up print or, or video ad that scrolls or whatever. And so they had these 3D sculptures that were, you know, they were designed in great detail. They even had them so that they were moving so that they looked like they were breathing. I'm not sure how they did that, but and they have, yeah. And they have this kind of goop in there, you know, so that they look like they're um, like uh, being preserved Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. And then they had on the back, they had the net, you know, coming to Netflix or whatever. But it's the kind of thing where if you just, you're just walking down the street and you see it, you're kind of like, what the hell is that? Um, But there was a lot of uh, planning that went into it, actually. Um, I was talking to um, the team at Media Hub and they were saying that really what what the, the, the biggest factor was figuring out where to place these things because a lot of um, cities wouldn't let them do it. So they got wow. west the town of West Hollywood 
agreed to do it and they kind of they were sort of working in tandem with the company that manages the the ad placements on the bus shelters in question and what they then had to do was they worked with like the city government of West Hollywood and they said that they kind of went over blueprints and maps of the town to figure out which areas wow. would have the would have maximum exposure most of which were like at major intersections and um they, the way that they explained it to me was they were like, we knew West Hollywood would be a pretty good place to do it because people here are not easily shocked. You know, they, <laughs> you, you, you walk down the street and you kind of expect to see some some weird stuff. So not only were, were pedestrians stopping and taking pictures and videos and everything, but people who were driving by were actually stopping and getting out of their cars and saying, okay, I got to get a picture of this. So nice. that right there is just, you know all kinds of millions of impressions on earned media. And then what happened was that they had the, the local news took an interest because, again, there was no real explanation of what was actually going on. It was just this body and it was like, you know, altered carbon coming to Netflix on this date. Um, so you would have, uh, and I, I saw the, the footage of a bunch of news, um, you know, local anchors who were kind of like, Look at these odd billboards, you know. What is this crazy <laughs> advertising? We've never seen such a thing. Um, so they really, the, the earned media was, was really quite good. And then this preceded a national paid media campaign. So it was kind of prepping everybody and getting them interested, like, ooh, what the hell is this, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I'm sure there were probably some people who were already familiar with it because it's based on a series of books. But, you know, you would get a lot of people Googling the series to find out more about it. And then when the paid ads actually did run, there was a much greater chance that people were familiar with it. And then it made a uh, much more dramatic first impression than just kind of like a you know, a preview of the series would have. Um, so uh, Netflix doesn't really give out too much information about the um, ROI on their campaigns. They don't really talk about a whole lot, to be honest no. with you. But no. um, I know that there were, it was in the double digits of millions of um, impressions just based on all the stuff shared on social and all this stuff, um, you know, shared um, on TV uh, before any of the paid and the paid um, video ads came into into play, so it was really a uh, a pretty interesting way of doing it. And um, there were a lot of crazy details. They even told me that they said there was uh, a lot of debate with the creative team about like whether to make the plastic around the bodies hard or soft. Um, and they oh, said wow. that they included these like cords that were kind of uh, attaching the the sculptures to the the full bags or whatever so that people would not steal them. They said they <laughs> predicted that people would actually cut the plastic and try to steal these sculptures, and in fact, they did. But they weren't able oh to take gosh. them because they were attached by these cords. So they kind of had to... Uh, they they kind of had to predict uh, all the sorts of things that would go wrong, and and it's sort of amazing that nothing did. Oh wow, that's yeah, that's amazing. Uh, you know, it, it is interesting to me. Two things: number one, West Hollywood's up for anything, uh, but secondly, um, I, I just I find that side of the business planning and just that level of detail, like you had mentioned. 
I find that so fascinating. And it's it's really interesting to to be able to peek behind the curtain a little bit because I think that there are a lot of people in the industry, it's like, oh, you know, it's just the media buy, it's the media plans. It's the, right. the, the levels, the levels of sophistication that we're seeing today are are just stunning. And what's what I find interesting is if you think about the continuum of distribution we're still pretty early on in digital. We're still pretty early on in a lot of these things and just seeing some of this work that's coming out already. I mean, the unsung, unsung heroes and it's, it's fascinating to me and and it's exciting to see what's going to happen next. Yeah. I mean, it helped that they had such an an unusual product to promote, I think. Um, But, but it really was interesting to hear media hub talk about how uh, all the steps that they had to go through. And yeah, um, they they said as they put it to me, you know, getting mentioned on the six o'clock news is kind of the ultimate example of uh, you you sort of transcended what you really set out to do. Um, yep. And uh, the 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 real uh, measure of success is that Netflix renewed the show. Oh, yeah, that helps too. <laughs> that that never hurts. And obviously, that, that has you know that's about viewership, but still, uh, right. I think it shows that they. They got a lot of momentum before the uh, before the show debuted. Right. Well, that's very very cool. Very smart stuff. If you look at all of the uh, plans that were honored, uh, take a look online. Also uh, in the magazine. Very impressive stuff. Congratulations to those who made it to the list, and a huge thank you to all of our judges, uh, who you will see on the article on our site as well. Well, we are out of time, so thank you, Katie, for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Patrick, always a pleasure. Thanks, Doug. Our theme music is by Home. This episode was edited by Elaine McGivney and produced by Anya Fernando. Please take a moment to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your audio podcasts. Those reviews actually do matter. We do collect them. And if you say nice things, we give you digital hugs. They also help new listeners discover the show. I'm Doug Zanger with Ad Week. We will be back next week, episode 101. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality.